Welcome. I'm your host, Andrea Maximo, and you are listening to the Electric Feminine Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Electric Feminine. I am Andrea Maximo, and I am here today with the wonderful Lisa Welsh. Lisa, I found on IG um, through one of her very funny posts because she is very, very funny. She's incredibly, incredibly smart and educates the masses on amazing things to do with, well, everything to do with sex and masturbation and getting comfortable with our bodies. So I brought Lisa on today. She has been a pleasure coach for 10 years. Um, to women and empowering us in finding our orgasm is what it sounds like is one of your main focuses. Um, she created her signature program after experiencing struggles connecting to herself and her partner sexually. So Lisa is going to come talk to us today about working through some of our shame and some of our fear. We can fear around, like find around masturbation and then maybe even figuring out a couple more details about how to get us to our, our power and our pleasure. Welcome, Lisa. Yay. Oh, Andrea, thank you so much for having me on here. I'm so excited to talk to you about all of this. Yes, this is my like favorite subject in the world and I can talk all day. So please rein me Did in. Did I leave anything out? Did I cover everything that you do? Yeah, you did a great, like you captured everything beautifully. Yeah, I'm sure that was, that was, that was pretty good. <laughs> so, you know, I, I always start off, I, I'm so interested in how we each come to think of our, you know, our bodies and sexuality. And I know a lot of it obviously starts from when we're kids and what we're influenced and what we hear in the home to the media. What was your kind of relationship to your body growing up? Complicated. I think like so many of us, um, sexuality wasn't really spoken about. Um, but for me, I like at the age of nine, I started my period. I had these giant boobs from like 10 and a, a family that hadn't prepared me for it and weren't really that comfortable with it. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, these boobs just came out of nowhere. And I was warned that, you know, that boys are only going to want me for my boobs. I was told that I was just going to bleed now until I'm in my forties. And I was thinking, what? Right. <laughs> there were no bras. I mean, the first time I actually had an actual bra and not like a crop top that was like held together with safety pins, I was already like a 32B. So, and they just kept on growing. They just didn't want to quit. And I'm only, I'm only four foot 11. So it was quite something. (laughs) Yeah. You know, here's the thing. I, wow, that, that really, that it stops me because I remember growing up, you know, having relatives, young, young women that developed really early. And, you know, I have to admit that I was part of the people who would make them feel kind of awkward because it was, to me, it was fascinating. I I was like, so jealous. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, of course, like you have what you you want, what you don't have kind of thing. But not until I was much older did I realize how uncomfortable they were made to feel about their body because people pointed or had to make a, you know, a spectacle of it. And um, you know, it makes sense now. I see women now older that just retreat into their bodies. And I think a lot of it has to start with people's reaction, would you say? Mm, definitely, definitely. As a young girl, I, I think I, I know every single potential word and slang word for boobs, um, mm-hmm. jugs and orcs. And I mean, I grew up in England, yeah. like British, um, although I'm in South Africa now, it just it was a it was a narrative of my life as a young girl. I was the yeah. one who had their bra strap pinged, and 
yeah, it certainly played a, a negative role. I was very uncomfortable for a long time. Yeah, I totally hear that. I was the um, the carpenter's dream. I was flat and never been screwed. So, <laughs> so creative. Yeah, so anyway, <laughs> just like, what are you doing to us children? Um, you know, so I mean, it sounds like, you know, you, you don't get a lot of information from the family. You're kind of getting reactions on your own and having to learn how to deal with them. What do you think was the you know, what was the shift for you to kind of getting comfortable in your body? Yeah, it's, it was a long time coming. I wish I could tell you, oh, this happened and then it was done because it's still ongoing, but I'm feeling more comfortable than ever. And Mm -hmm. the first time I felt really comfortable in my body was when I was pregnant because it felt like, okay, this is the shape I'm supposed to have now. This is a big belly and a big boobs. This this is right. This is, this is how it looks in the pictures and I'm matching Mm -hmm. for the first time. Um, But really I think, part of being a very short person with these big boobs is that I I've carried you know I have a few extra pounds on my body it's really obvious so I've had mm-hmm. I also had a long you know a, a long period of my life where I was dieting and fasting and doing all of these crazy things that just only made me gain weight and it, it, I finally realized only through probably the turning point was when I was fasting for 48 hours at a time and sipping salt water at the dinner table with my kids <laughs> and what? telling them this is fine, normal. This is normal behavior for yeah. a fully grown woman to sip salt water instead of eat dinner. And I think it was then I just thought, okay, you have to make a choice because are you going to live miserably on salt water or are you just mm-hmm. going to get on with it and realize that this body is doing so many great things for you. It's time to actually learn about it and and take care of it and from moving into that mindset of taking care of my body even if I didn't like it which I didn't for a very long time I still could take care of it and that that is eventually what shifted for me I love how you distinguish that because I I do think and I've again been guilty of this preaching that we have to love our bodies and you know at some point I realized when I was teaching my class in particular there are going to be days you just don't like, or even just parts of your body you are really going to struggle with. And, and it's the end for me. And we can still love and care for our bodies. I kind of like, I think of our bodies, like this is our collaborator, right. And, and for your partner, and let's just say you don't always like your partner, but you love your partner. Right. You know, there's going to be days when you may not want to deal with your partner, but you're not going to want to abuse your partner necessarily. Like that's not what it's about. So, um, you know, you made another really interesting point. And this was something that just kind of came to me the other day. I was sitting there thinking about our bodies and how our bodies have been lumped into trends, but only the female body. And that yeah. our body, right? When you think about it, like they take our actual form, like you said, this beautiful body that you've been given. And then they make us, you know, somebody decides that this year, large boobs are in. And then suddenly, you know, you're all the rage. But then next year, we're going for the wave. And now you're out of style. And they want to discard our bodies like we discard shoes from one season to the next. What? Right? Very true. And and we're supposed to deal with that in here. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is that when I work with my clients and we've spoken, you've told everybody that I work with sexuality, body image is one part, 
vulva image is a whole other part the way you feel about your vulva and your vagina whoa that is like let's talk about it (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I, I mean it's quite fascinating to actually learn how women feel and vulva owners feel about their genitals and particularly because often what we've seen growing up we don't really get to see our own vulva very easily because it's tucked Mm -hmm. under so the vulva is the bit you can see for anybody who who doesn't know but the vagina is the internal part we call it all the vagina but that's not accurate so the vulva is the parts you can see the lips and the clitoris and all of that stuff that you can see the bit that touches your underwear is your vulva And they come in all shapes and sizes and colors and with skin tags and they're they're wonky and they don't match. And that is perfect. The lips are not supposed to be identical. They're not twins. They're more like sisters. But it's hard to see our own, right? When we pee, we don't have to hold it. We don't, you know, we can't swing it around like a helicopter or anything like that. (laughs) Love you. Most of us, and certainly for me, the only vulva I'd ever seen was in a science book. And it was, you know, perfectly shaped. It was white. It was, you know, equally formed. The lips were matching and everything was neat and tidy and very pretty. And after that, the only other vulvas would be in porn, right? They also like superstar nipped and tucked bleached and perfected vulvas (laughs) there is space for all of those beautiful nipped and tucked vulvas but there's also space for beautiful non-symmetrical um like there's so many different ones and what I always tell my clients to do is go on to vulvagallery.com vulvagallery.com and look because they have created all of this art based on real vulvas and they are so different. Like you have some that are all like hidden and you can't see the clitoris, they're all like totally tucked in. And then you have some of the clitoris is like loud and proud and some with the labia, the inner labia are longer and some with the inner labia are shorter, some with extra little teeny weeny labia on the inside, but they are beautiful and diverse and just wonderful. So that's always the first step. (laughs) Wait, no, hold on. Hold on. I love this woman. If y'all don't watch this, you have to watch her. Describe everything she described. Okay, just for the record, typically I use the word yoni because I I know vagina was no longer correct. And, you know, what I'd read was yoni kind of encompassed everything too. And the -hmm. way you just broke it down, oh my gosh, Wait, I'm sitting here going, wait, not only our bodies, but yes, they made our vulvas a trend too, because like sometimes she should have hair and then no, we don't want hair and, and, and it's the pressure and she needs to be beautiful. And I mean, oh my God, you know, so I'm taking a sexuality course and I just learned about like the clitoris and how marvelous tell me about her more because, okay. Aside from not knowing what they look like. So many women, yes, I know we don't look. Like I was very curious. I grabbed a mirror when I was a kid and I was like, what's going on down here? I want to know. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> but I was like, what is this thing? And then, but you know, you're right. Cause I would look into magazines and I was like, oh, you know, well hers do this and hers do that. And they all did look exactly the same. It was like they were curated, you know, for mm. magazines, hustler, whatever. But you tell me how the clitoris, like, why does she reign? Because I I was fascinated by this. 
Well, I am going to introduce you to my friends right there, right there. Okay. Who I just happen to have right here. Dun, dun, dun. I know oh if you're my on God. the podcast you're listening to us, you can't see this, but I have a crocheted clitoris. <laughs> so I'm gonna Beautiful. About her. <laughs> she is my favorite. She's my favorite thing, my favorite possession. So when we think of the clitoris or the clit, we are thinking usually of that little bud that is above the vaginal opening, which is this clitoral gland, the top, like a little bud that's sometimes hidden behind a hood. So the hood, if you take a look in the mirror, if, you, if you've if you got time, look right now. Not you, Andrew, because you're talking to me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awkward. And I'm so enthralled. I was about, I was like, okay. <laughs> so you'll find that the hood that is hiding the clitoral glands is made up of the inner labia. It's where they meet at the top. And sometimes they completely hide the clitoris and sometimes they don't. Sometimes the hood is just there, but the clitoral glands is, is protruding. But that's what we think is the clit. If you know where the clitoris is, that's what you're thinking of usually. But what we don't know, what most of us don't know is that is only about one fifth of the full clitoral structure. So the full clitoral structure is made of erectile tissue. That means the entire thing can get erect. That means vulva owners get erections. Yes, they do. And if they don't, they're missing out on so much pleasure and sensation, right? So if you are now looking at where your clitoris and your clitoral glands is, I invite you to just feel upwards. So into that fatty pad, right? The, that's the, the mons pubis. And see if you can feel the shaft, that feels fabulous to play with <laughs> when it is engorged. Wow. So have a feel. Some people might not feel it because it might go directly in and some people might be able to feel it. But from there, you have these two legs called crura that go inside of your body and they're kind of wrapped around um, the urethra and the vaginal canal. And you have these two bulbs that are in the outer vulva, that in the outer labia. So your whole vulva is full of this delicious erectile tissue. And the entrance to your vagina, if you, if you kind of imagine you're entering the vagina just on the inside upper wall, you're feeling the inside of your clitoris, which is your G-spot. That is the G-spot. Mystery solved. So what? The internal part of your clitoris and it's only you know can only really find it when the vulva owner is aroused right if you're not aroused and it's not engorged you're not going to find it so all of those people that have been spending all of their lives looking for the g-spot maybe they just haven't turned the woman on yet <laughs> oh shit lisa wait a minute <laughs> All right, you have to come back. You're going to have to come back multiple times. Wait a minute. Okay, so wait a second. Here's the thing, a couple of things that came to me. So when I was I was doing this research, they were saying that the everybody's vagina, like actual cavity, is different shaped. Mm. And that sometimes, you know, that if it doesn't match the shape of if you are having like hetero cis interaction... Yeah. The penis shape doesn't necessarily match the vagina shape. It could just be like this mismatch and it's neither like person's fault. It just seems like, yeah, it just doesn't fit. So he can't find her. You know what I'm saying? Like, or is it just yeah. a situation where if she's turned on, it doesn't matter his size. 
Well, okay. So there's a couple of things I want to say to that. I have recently learned about this, which is called the lock and key theory. Like it just, if you're lucky, the, the key fits the lock. Bob's your uncle. <laughs> How do you screen for that? That's what I'm thinking now. Yeah, that's, that's just a process. And that works for um, anal and vaginal penetration. Okay. So there can be just some penises that feel great in certain places. Yeah. But what I just want to take a step back and say is that it's not up to the penis to always hit the G spot. The penis mm -hmm. is designed to do a job. It's not, you know, it's, it's all sex isn't about penetration and intercourse. So mm -hmm. in that situation, you know, the G spot, if you want to stimulate the G spot, then you need to be trying to stimulate the G spot, not trying to fill the vagina. Not only that, but both yeah. vulva owners need direct clitoral stimulation in order to experience orgasm, the vast majority. So that means if you are going for intercourse, then make sure you're still stimulating the clitoris, the glands, the front, that little one piece that we think is just the clitoris. So this blows my mind that more people don't do this, but if that is what is needed to be stimulated, why do we pretend that intercourse is, is the be all and end all? Why don't we stimulate it during intercourse? Why don't we? But all it takes is put your hand there, which you can do in nearly every single position, or put a vibrator there, add lube, open the labia and let it get some friction. Like, why yeah. do we pretend? It's like imagining, like, feel it, like say the penis is essential. Like the penis is essential to be, is essential to stimulate the penis in order for a penis to ejaculate and experience orgasm. That's like us rubbing the balls hoping the penis gets some kind of stimulation right, right? yeah when we're doing intercourse we're forgetting the clitoris we're hoping that the vulva owner is going to like have an orgasm without actually touching the bit that needs to be touched oh. okay so here's what here's what bothers me though is that you're asking why and it's of course like why and and you know my mind goes well because this is what the world's been trained to believe that you know our pleasure is non-existent and it's not about what we like it's you know getting the guy off or the you know the partner off and it's not about in the traditional role the woman's we're not concerned about her pleasure at all but yet we now have you and tons of you out there telling us differently. We've got doctors who've been telling us differently forever. We've got TV shows, magazines, books on it. And yet someone still doesn't want to listen. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What is that? I'll tell you what it is. I think it's, it's the need for, I must say, most vulva owners have this need to give, 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 give. They, mm -hmm. they also feel shame if they're a sexual being or asking for what they want or going for what they want, right? If they're making sure they get the right angle or the right stimulation, how is their partner going to judge them? Are they going to look like they're mm -hmm. dirty? You know, it's that whole thing. It's not understanding that that's what you need. Like it's thinking that because it looks like that in the movies, that's how it must be. I spoke to a client recently who knows that TV sex is fake and movie sex is fake, but said to me, surely there must be an element of truth in what we see on the screen. There must be some grain of truth in that. And I was like, there's just not, there's just not. It just doesn't happen that way that you just rip each right. other's clothes off. There's no foreplay. There's no lube. There's no contraception. You're just like jamming it in. And in two strokes, she is screaming in pleasure. And 
it looks great fun on the screen. It looks awesome. Don't we all wish it would be like that? But it's just not. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no and, and 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 like, you know, like everything in Hollywood, they got to condense it to get to the good stuff because they got a story to tell. They don't have time to take through her whole foreplay. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to watch. It's entertaining. But let's not yeah. model our own sex lives on it. No, um, but that's exactly what we're doing. That's exactly what we're doing. So... I'm so curious, tell me, there's something that I read in your bio and this really just stood out to me and it had to do with your own personal experience when you were feeling at a time, um, you know, buried in your success was kind of like what I was reading into it. And it said, you share in your bio that you successfully buried yourself in your to-do list and it ultimately dulled your sexual connection. And then there's a quote where you said, uh, as time went by, I felt totally disconnected from my body and my partner. And I just assumed it would never get any better. Figuring out my pleasure just felt like a waste of my precious time. And that really stood out to me. The part that so many of us just think this is just the way it's going to be, I guess. Mm. You know, yeah. um, and then how many women I, you know, myself included at one point, it's no longer this way, but just thought. I, I can't orgasm. Like, that's just not something I can do. I must be yeah. broken. Yeah. So many of us think that. So there's, they either think I cannot orgasm or mm. I can only orgasm through this one masturbation technique that I figured out as a kid. And that's the only way I can get off. Right. Mm -hmm. that, that, most people fall into those two camps. Most vulva owners think they can't, or they've got one way. That's the only way. And it's actually such a shame because if you think that's the truth for you, if you think that's all you can experience and that you're just not wired like everybody else, because from that place, it seems like the rest of the world is having wild, wonderful sex all the time. It's all we see and all we hear. But for us, we think, okay, well, I can't, or eh, I've got my one way and I'll just do it in the bathroom, you know, after everyone's asleep quickly and quietly get it over and done mm -hmm. with, you know? And when you put your pleasure into that box, either you've given up totally or you just do it when you have to, then it does feel like a waste of time and it feels indulgent because we mm. don't prioritize pleasure. We, that's not productive. We don't put it on our to-do list as like, yes, tick it off, tick it off, woohoo, masturbated today. No, <laughs> that doesn't fit in that box. So we're busy doing all the things. And when you're in that mindset of go, 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 do, 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 it's very hard to slip into a pleasure mindset. It's a completely different place, actually. And one of the top reasons that, that we do that we don't experience orgasm is because of stress and because of overwhelm and feeling so busy that even when we do get to when we are having sex, and it's usually just penis and vagina intercourse, we don't ever experience the pleasure that's available to us there because we're stuck in our brains and we're stressed and we're worried and we're thinking about what else we have to do. And sex can become like a chore and a duty, which is just such a shame. Was that um, where you were and, at at that point in that story? Is that yeah, where you were I've at? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just felt like a duty and it felt like I was the only one who was able to get to that pleasure myself in the one way I had one favorite way, well, the only way I thought. And I, it only happened when I like needed to do it, which kind of felt ugly and didn't feel like a loving experience. It was like rushed and shameful, you know, just get it done. Don't tell anybody, do it quietly and quickly. 
So how did you shift? What was, what was it for you then that made you think that this can't be it? This, there's gotta be more. Curiosity and part of my divorce. I spent a lot of time on my own through my divorce and I did a lot of inner work and shadow work and worked around the shame that I felt towards my body and the shame that I felt as a sexual woman. I just needed to meet myself. I needed to discover really what is under there. You know, mm-hmm. I got married very young and had kind of created this identity for myself and there was no room for that sexual being in that identity. So I'd kind of caged myself. Um, and in the dismantling of that identity was a huge turning point for me and the most painful time of my life Um, Mm -hmm. and then the rebuilding of her was pretty amazing I actually just looked at I just saw a photo of me um, maybe a week ago and it was me in that pre-time and my heart just went out to her she's young Mm -hmm. she was so young and so she was trying her best that I just had so much compassion for myself in that place that I hadn't realized until I looked her in the eye <laughs> in that photo with her really thin eyebrows because that was cool at the time <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought oh my gosh I'm so proud yeah. of you I'm so proud of you because dismantling your an identity is enormous and it's something that's actually needed when it comes to this sexual stuff because we yeah feel so ashamed of that part of us and it's exhausting to to have that shame and to keep that massive part of our identity separate from us Mm -hmm. we don't want to meet that part because it's dirty and bad and sinful and you know you want to be you know a good woman a good wife and you don't want to be this like whore this this sexual bad mysterious dark person we just keep that part separate but it's actually integral integral to us beautiful oh my gosh thank you so much for sharing that that was so beautiful I and and I I know your story is going to resonate with a lot of people listening you know um because I think it's just it's just so many of us you know it's so many of us but that moment it's so inspiring just to know too uh, you know I've heard this podcast of the podcast it's just a decision you decide for yourself that this is this is not it or, you know, I want, you know, there's something off here and I want to figure it out. You know, and I don't like to say broken because I really feel that we're not broken. I think we can be very deeply bruised mm-hmm. and beat up a little bit, but not broken. Um, and it's just, it's just the knowing that you deserve to know more about you. And I, I, how lovingly you did that is, is really inspiring too. It's important because, you know, again, when I've, I have had many discussions around masturbation with students shame is the main culprit that prevents them from exploring. Um, or I've heard, you know, yes, I do. But when I do, there's still like that sense of guilt as I'm doing it. Or I've heard um, uh, a lot of, I just feel, it makes me feel like lonely or like a loser. Like I should have somebody else there. And that, that one hurts me the most. I feel like, cause I'm like, no, we're missing something here. We're missing something here. It, it doesn't, you know, what, what do you say to clients that are going through similar feelings like that? Yeah, that's a, it is painful to hear. It is painful. Mm-hmm. So I actually um, recently had a client who 
who couldn't experience orgasm through masturbation, but could through intercourse with a partner, which was so fascinating to me. And it was just such a clear indication of the shame that we hold around masturbation. So what I think is happening in that kind of situation is that when you are exploring your body, when you are pleasuring yourself, if there's no experience of pleasure there at all, it's often because there's that shame has come up somehow. Your body has connected shame to the experience of touching yourself. And in order to keep you safe from feeling that shame, it is basically locked everything away. The shame is gone. The pleasure is gone. It's like numbness, disconnection, complete disconnection. Um, and it, it's, it's very hard. It's very hard to actually access that part of you that is trying to protect you. You know, you have mm -hmm. kind of put a barrier there by some sub subconscious, like protective force, which is there for good reason, but can be removed. But essentially, as girls, we are certainly not encouraged to explore this part of our bodies. This part of our bodies often not named, um, certainly not explained. We don't get like, hey, so this is your toe. Where's your nose? Where's your clitoris? No. <laughs> we need to add a little to head knees and toes i'm, I'm gonna add that one in head please, knees and toes please. and clitoris there you go <laughs> and so we're not encouraged and i mean imagine if, for any of us that were caught touching ourselves the mm -hmm. shame the burning cheeks you know, absolute horror of being caught touching this part of our bodies. And it's just that that doesn't just go away. It doesn't just go away. And then when you include in that story, the whole thing about, you know, the cultural stories of us feeling like vaginas are gross and stinky and smelly and they need special cleansers because they're so disgusting. <laughs> and, you know, it makes us feel grossed out. So many vulva owners you know, the ones that do self-pleasure probably self-pleasure by touching the clitoris, but don't touch internally because the vagina is like a whole cavern of horror of like, oh, <laughs> slimy. <me." laughs> cavern of horror. But they do. I mean, there's so many jokes about it and it's so unfair. It yeah. really is. But it, it does create this horrible insecurity, I think, as women like, yeah, I gotta go wash myself 19 times beforehand. And like, you know, this idea that you, you know, the worst thing you could have happen is somebody recoil from like <laughs> your scent, you know, recoil. I mean, really the word. And the truth is <laughs> vagina should smell like a vagina and it should taste like a vagina. It shouldn't taste like strawberries or a sea breeze or mango or flowers. It's supposed to have a scent and a taste. It's meant to, it just is natural. And it's important for it to, it's slightly acidic because it has a microbiome, like, which is why you should never clean it. You shouldn't, you should never clean your vagina. So just to remind you, that's the internal bit. It is mm -hmm. self-cleaning, shouldn't be douched or washed, does not need anything special. And the vulva, the bit you can see, just needs a, a gentle cleanse. It needs nothing else. So that adds to the, the shame around masturbation. Not only is it sinful, naughty, bad, all of those feelings, not only is it disgusting, all of those feelings, then also like it's quite complicated, right? We have all of those feelings, 
we hear mm-hmm. that the, the female orgasm is so complicated. It's, we need special articles to help us unravel it. And really, it's just that you need consistent stimulation. You know, maybe you need to practice and try around a few techniques to see exactly what works for you. But it's not complicated. But trying to unpack the feeling that it's uncomplicated, that it's disgusting, that it's sinful and dirty, and that perhaps your one is broken, it's a whole lot of stuff to get over. That's Mm -hmm. if you can put aside your to-do list for a moment, actually take 20 minutes out of your day to touch your clitoris. Like who's got that time? (laughs) So when you're working with people, I mean, do you, is that that what I'm hearing? You've got to get through the mind stuff first before we can even get into, here's how you touch yourself stuff. Yeah, it goes hand in hand, actually, because mm-hmm. sometimes the body has such wisdom that can help you with the mind stuff. Mm. So if you can just create a safe space for you to actually lovingly touch your vulva mm-hmm. and be present and breathe with the feelings and thoughts that come up, that is the key, actually. And it can take a long yeah. time. It can take it can happen immediately or it can take months. And it can mm-hmm. be frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of it is about feeling safe because we haven't even touched upon the trauma and abuse that could have occurred to cause a disconnect as well. I mean, and that maybe we won't need to touch on that too much, but that obviously is a very big part. And if you don't feel safe in your body, if at some level when you're touching your vagina and vulva or somebody else is, if your nervous system is panicking, you will never be able to experience orgasm because Mm -hmm. your body is trying to keep you safe. It's not Mm -hmm. worrying about your pleasure at that point. Mm -hmm. So if anything has occurred to cause trauma and it could be something big, right? Or Mm -hmm. it could be that you've allowed somebody to penetrate you before you were ready 500 times. Mm -hmm. Hand up, I've done that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It It could be that a medical procedure caused trauma. It could be trauma around menstruation or pregnancy or childbirth or, you know, lack of being able to fall pregnant. There's so many reasons why we might carry trauma in this part of our body. And if your nervous system is panicking, orgasm is not coming around the corner anytime soon. So it's all about regulating your breath as you're touching yourself, repeating affirmations like I'm safe. I Mm -hmm. am allowed to touch my body. It is safe to touch my body. I deserve to feel pleasure. Um, And if affirmations don't work for you, then, you know, staying with your breath and only doing it for as long as you can tolerate that feeling of discomfort because it should never feel like you're suffering. And if it does, then you should seek help from somebody who can actually guide you through this because it is Mm -hmm. actually big. It is big. It's a lot to unpack. It is. No, it is. Yeah. I mean, we're, I mean, we're giggling about it, but it's, uh, you know, I honestly, I, I respect the fact that it's, it's terrifying for a lot of people, you know, um, you know, I, I had a different experience for whatever reason. I was very curious found my mother's massage <laughs> back tool. And I was like, what does this do? Let's see. Um, you know, I might've stumbled on a porn. I might've seen like kind of trying to put two and two together. Um, you know, it's, it's, but everybody's experience is going to be different. So, you know, for people who are are kind of just starting out and, and really just in the exploration, early exploration, as you just pointed out that beautiful stage, would you recommend going straight to toys? Would you recommend starting first with just your own hands? Where, where, where do you start? 
Hmm. That's a difficult question, actually, it, because toys have a fabulous place. I love toys. I love vibrators. But mm -hmm. sometimes if you're just starting out and you are pre-orgasmic, then I would probably recommend starting with your hands first mm -hmm. just to build up that body connection. And the only reason I'm saying that as well is because the, um, the stimulation provided by a vibrator can be very hard to to replace with your hand if you get mm -hmm. used to the vibration. I still love vibrators. They're great. There's a really good place for them and they can definitely help you along the road to reaching orgasm. So if you feel called to that first, go for it, go for it, because then maybe that will help you to unlock your orgasm and feel like, okay, this is what an orgasm feels like because sometimes that can be scary and then progress to your hand. I suppose what I'm saying is, Use both. If you're going to use a vagina, a vibrator, a vagina, if you're going to use a vibrator, <laughs> use your hand too. Like mix mm -hmm. it up. Because remember I said to you, a lot of vulva owners have one technique that they use to masturbate and one technique that they think will get them to orgasm. That happens because we've repeated it over and over and over again. And we've created this strong neural pathway, this network mm -hmm. that is like a pleasure pathway that the body responds to. And um, it can be quite frustrating to develop other pleasure pathways. So instead of just, you know, if you, whatever you choose to use one technique, you know, if you figure out a technique to orgasm, celebrate that, like that's amazing, mm -hmm. but then keep pushing yourself to see what else is available. There's so much potential for pleasure in the vulva and in the vagina. And by opening up these pathways and by opening up like the aliveness of the mm -hmm. vulva, you're increasing sensitivity, you're allowing numbness to, to gradually move away. You have the potential for so much pleasure. Like don't just stick to one thing. And I mean, yeah, vibrators are fabulous. You know, crystal dildos are fabulous. Hands are fabulous. Penises are fabulous. Dildos, like all the things. Don't yeah. limit yourself. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. I do. I do. And, and, you know, so I'm curious though, what, I've heard this so often. Is there any truth to the fact that you, a vibrator could ruin your sensation? Can you overuse a vibrator? No, you can't. You can't. It's okay. not true. But what you can do is become accustomed to that stimulation. So okay. there's a difference. It doesn't mean that you're ruined. Not at all. All you're doing mm -hmm. is increasing blood flow and sensitivity. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. You're not going to get people say they can feel addicted to their vibrator. And that's because it can feel frustrating to use something that doesn't give you that same consistent stimulation. That's right. It's frustrating to wean yourself off of the vibrator onto something else, which is why I say use a vibrator in your toolkit, but don't have it as the only thing unless you want to. If you just want a vibrator, go for it. But if you want to open your your mind and your body to other sensations and other pathways of pleasure, then just keep it as one tool and make sure you're still exploring your body in other ways too. Okay. What the hell is a crystal dildo? So I was watching one of your videos the other day and you're like, it won't break. I'm like, what, what is this? And why, why? And, and you know, why crystal? So, okay. I have a glass one. Where is it? Oh, y'all, you got to watch. You got you to make sure you watch this episode. She's got all these fun toys. When you pulled out your crocheted vulva 
I died because I, I remember when I was like five years old, my next door neighbor, her parents were like social workers, hippies, or super cool folks. But I was playing one day at her house and I pick up this thing that looked like a giant teardrop. And I'm like, oh, it looks like the rain. And she's like, nah, that's sperm. And I was like, oh, no, she's like, no, that's the egg. And I'm like, the egg. She's like, yeah, you know, the eggs like in a woman's body. I was like, okay. And then I pick up this other thing. I'm like, look at this snake. She's like, no, that's a sperm. So her mom had made these pillows (laughs) that were lying around on the couch that were supposed to be the egg. My poor kids are gonna have that. I'm gonna go just hold on. I'm go gonna ahead. go and grab it. Okay. She's grabbing her crystal. We have to see the glass still, though, folks, because if you have not followed Lisa, you have to follow Lisa. She's a delight, as you can hear. <laughs> no, you absolutely are. And I just love how excited you get. Oh my god, it's beautiful. It looks like a wand. I know it is a wand. So okay, so you can get you can get all different shapes and sizes and different stones. So you can get, you know, like a jade yoni egg. Yeah. You can get ones made out of jade or rose quartz in different shapes and sizes. And the the good, the thing about crystal or glass is that it's obviously harder than like a silicone or a squishy toy. And the reason that that's nice is because it can provide different stimulation to the vagina. So this, probably isn't a beginner toy. And then again, why not actually? But so this is for um, internal vaginal stimulation. This part, so I'm holding up this long (laughs) windy, like an S-shaped glass wand. It's made of medical grade borosilicate. So it's not going to just smash like a glass that you would drink from. Um, But it is, you know, it is delicate. Like in, as in don't drop it on your tiles. Um, But it has one ribbed end that is fabulous for G-spot stimulation. And then it has like a bulb on the other end, which is great for cervical stimulation. So the cervix is the neck of your womb. Um, And if you feel inside of your vagina, you might feel this thing wobbling around. If you feel the tip of your nose, that's kind of how it feels. Kind of wobbling around. (laughs) So it's the deep end of your vagina is right at the end because that's where your uterus begins. It's the neck of the womb. It's not always central. It sometimes sits to the side, but, and often it can feel uncomfortable or numb. Like, you know, when you poke your belly button, it feels weird. Mm-hmm. It feels like that. because It freaks me out. Yes. So when you touch your cervix, it often feels that way because this is a, like, it's been medicalized. It's only ever been prodded by doctors and nurses and you know, a penis that bashes it all the time. But um, the cervix actually really enjoys stillness and Mm. the same kind of stimulation that the clitoral glands enjoys. So this tool, because it's nice and long, the glass one that I'm holding is long. So it means you can reach your cervix and still have a nice long handle to hold, right? Right. So it just allows you to stimulate that part of your body and be present with it. And like it maybe sounds a bit woo-woo, right? But breathing and being present with that part of your body until you kind of de-armor it. It's a phrase that's often used, which is letting it feel safe, letting it feel loved and, and reconnecting. And the great thing about reconnecting with your cervix is that it has its own set of nerves. I mean, this is all very what's the word, you know, some people disagree and some people think it's absolutely true, but it's connected to the vagus nerve, which actually can result in mind blowing, really beautiful orgasms. So 
really there are this is why I really encourage people to just explore their bodies and and just know that it's okay to do that it's your body it's safe you have permission it's not wrong or naughty we were created with these incredible parts of our bodies that are there to bring us pleasure like and pleasure mm-hmm. brings us so many benefits and and when you access your pleasure you access a well of creativity and energy that can that can you can bring forward into the world and make make it a better place like sex is not just this little thing it's not just you rubbing one out in the bathroom if you can access this well of pleasure this actual energy your life force energy that you can stimulate that I just it it can heal you it can heal your family like okay I'm starting to go crazy but truly truly no I don't think you're crazy at all I want to know because I, I do think it's important because it's you know, we talk about this as a life force. So yeah, talk about how this kind of, you know, involving, indulging in this for yourself, how does it actually affect you in other parts of your life beyond it feeling good? Yeah, beyond it feeling good. It is, when you, when you like, the feeling of wholeness, when you actually can embrace every part of you, and when you are there with your body and with a crystal wand, for example, it's not the same as using a vibrator on your clitoris, to, in my opinion. I love using a vibrator on a clitoris. I'm not judging that. I'm not judging any orgasm that happens as a result of that. But what I'm saying is you have to be very conscious of what you're doing when you're using a, you know, this long glass thing. You have to stay present. And it forces mm-hmm. you to like know what you're doing think about what you're doing. It kind of gets you out of your mind, out of all of that monkey mind stuff. So you're present. And then when you're paying attention to your body, that's when your body brings up things that need to be processed, right? Like it tells you, okay, actually we need to talk about this. Your body's like, okay, we need to cry about this. We need to release this. And you don't need to even think about it. You don't need to rationalize what's happening, but it's just giving you a chance to actually you're here I'm here with you body right now I'm here with you you can't escape it's not like Mm -hmm. having sex where you can tune out and think about what you're going to cook for dinner when you are doing a conscious self-pleasure practice with a toy like this a tool sacred sexuality tool rather than toy then you do have to be connected and what that gives you beyond feeling good is is a feeling of wholeness over time Mm. and when you are whole and you are embracing every part of you including the bad bits right including the bits we judge including the bits we've tried to keep fragmented it just like opens a well of energy that's that's the best way I can describe it like an energy that can benefit those around you and beyond like I feel like I'm a better mother since being more connected to the sexual part of me which Mm. is so crazy when most women who are mothers don't feel that they're allowed to be sexual. I oh, just yes. feel yeah, that that the I want to say radiance, but that doesn't feel like the right word. But the the feeling when you can be at peace in your heart, right, and in your vagina, you're at peace with all bits of you. It just the way you show up in the world is different because you're not hiding anything. There's nothing, you're not wasting energy trying to be something you're not. You're just able to show up as you are. And it I would never change it for the world. What I, what I, the step-by-step process to get to where I am. And I'm not fixed. I'm not perfect. I mean, don't think anyone's broken, but I'm not perfect. But I just love 
that I'm able to show up as I am in all aspects of my life. I, and I, I couldn't live any other way now that I've felt this. And that's on some big yoni energy. Damn, that was <laughs> awesome. Woo! <laughs> Oh, I read Big awesome. Yoni energy. Yes. Okay. Oh my God. I love this woman. So tell me, I mean, I feel like you answered this question, but what is the vision? You know, you do this work with people. What's your vision for how your work is going to affect? Like what's the ripple effect you envision it creating? Oh my goodness. It's this vision like feeds my soul because I just know that by helping one women I work with women and just by helping one woman to actually embrace all aspects of herself I know that she will be talking to her friends she'll be telling her sister she'll be maybe telling her mom and her gran who knows um she's just showing up differently in all areas just more empowered not waiting for somebody to give her pleasure not waiting for somebody to you know to give her anything not feeling like she's only worthy because she's giving right to actually realize her worth to to claim it to claim it and once she claims it she's no longer like lacking and looking always looking to be fixed looking to be healed she just knows that it doesn't matter how she feels doesn't matter how she looks doesn't matter what's happening she's worthy now no matter what is going on even if she feels bad today even if she feels grumpy even if like it just it's like you're worthy doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Nothing matters. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing matters. You're just worthy. That's it. You got and it. And then everything matters. Everything matters because <laughs> you don't need to worry about those things anymore. Like, yeah. The ripple effects are enormous, actually. It's, yeah. I, I, it blows my mind and it excites me. And I think you're the same. I feel like you have the same mission. I, you know, I do. It is, it is. And one at a time we will, we will get there, but it's, it's not just one because I do say, if you touch one, she goes out into the world, she shares with one and inspires another and then so on and so forth. So it isn't, it's just, it's one you're touching, but the ripple effect goes much further. Um, I, yeah, I'm my mind again, cause I start getting excited about people and I'm like, okay, so she's coming on our retreat. <laughs> like Lisa is coming to the retreat you you are invited to the retreat I need you there um do you have okay so I love this last question but before we get into your last dinner question any last things you want to share with with the women listening in regards to anything we've discussed I would just love to say that no matter what your own unique set of circumstances that have brought you to where you are today in terms of how you feel about your body, your yoni, your sexuality, take one step. And if that is putting your hand over your yoni, dressed, you can be dressed or not, and just putting your hand there and just saying, thank you, like, thank you. I love you. <laughs> if you can, if you can tell it that you love her. It just, oh, this is a powerful part of you. And and by healing the relationship and connecting to that part of you, you will transform your life gradually, bit by bit. It will, it will get there. I love it. All right, you got three people you can invite to dinner. Any three people you want. Who's coming to dinner? This special dinner with Lisa. Oh no! Um. Okay, Bessie Dodson. Do you know who Lisa? she is? No, tell me. Like the grandmother of orgasm. She is like, oh, 
amazing. She actually passed away last year, but she, so she used to hold in the 60s and 70s, she used to um, hold like in-person retreats where she would literally, the women would show each other their vulvas and she would teach them how to self-pleasure. I mean, and not only then, she she did it. She She's done this work for decades. She's absolute, my absolute hero. So it would have to be her. <laughs> Wait, was she on an episode of Goop? Yes. Gwyneth? yes oh, yes. dang it. And she passed away. Oh, Oh, I, I saw that episode and I was like, I don't know who this woman is, but I want her at the retreat too. I was like, I love her. Oh, that breaks my heart. Okay. Yeah, no, she was fabulous. So she would have to come. Um, and I think Clarissa Pincolo Estes, she is the lady who wrote The Women Who Run With The Wolves. Oh, she is I've never read storyteller. that. She like loves a wild woman. I would want her there and I would just listen to her. I would just sit mm-hmm. and listen quietly. I don't know if there's much space left at the table. Who else would I have? <laughs> Give me one more. One more. Okay. Fictional, okay. Oh. dead or alive, history, doesn't matter, cartoon character, oh. an entity. <laughs> oh my gosh, on the spot. Oh. Okay, maybe the Queen of England, because I'm British. I'm curious to meet her. <laughs> and you know what? I don't care what people say. I feel like she could get down with all the conversation at the table. Yeah. I think she would completely surprise us. I have a few questions for her. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So tell them how they can find you, Lisa. The, of course, all your information will be in the show notes, but just let them know here while they're listening. So my favorite place to hang out is Instagram. I really enjoy it. To be honest, that's the best place to find me. I'm always on there. I'm always in the stories. I'm always like doing reels. I enjoy that place quite a lot. So at It's Lisa Welsh, that's the best place to find me. And I've got links from there, links to everything that's necessary. So if you're going to come and find me, come and find me on Instagram. Say hi, because I actually do chat to people in the DMs. I don't mind as DMs. And you'll work with them from wherever. It doesn't matter where they're at. Oh, yeah. Anywhere. Anywhere. Um, And I actually wanted to offer um, something to your listeners as well. Please do. Um, So I have um, my signature course is called The Pleasure Chest. And it is full. It's got like 11 modules full of videos. And it's all about how to experience orgasm from a variety of stimulation. But I actually wanted to gift your listeners 30% off with the code electric. Oh, I love that. Thank you. I'm all excited. Yes. I'm going to make the world better one orgasm at a time. I am here for it. Oh my gosh. I adore you. Lisa, thank you so much for your time this morning. And I cannot wait to work with you again, because I know that's going to happen. You are a joy and a pleasure and a gift to this world. Thank you. Oh, Andrea, thank you. It's an honor to be here with you. So thank you very much. I just love that we can just be here from across the world and gaze into each other's eyes and talk about clitorises. It makes me very happy. (laughs) It does. I want in person though. I'm not selling. This is not it. I want in person. All right, everyone. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Electric Feminine Podcast with me, your host, Anjua Maximo. If you're ready to dive into this work of developing your connection to your goddess energy, of removing those obstacles standing in your way, please reach out at info at or you can check out my courses available and my private coaching at www.anjuamaximo.com. Be good to you, be good to each other.